0: Hi, I'm Jen White, and this is Reset. Each Friday, we gather three of the best journalists or commentators around the table to dig into the biggest stories of the week. And this week, we had some big stories.
1: I'll help with the transition to the new superintendent however possible, and I want the next top cop to continue
0: making improvements in public safety and in the department that I love. I will be appointing former Los Angeles Police Department Chief Charlie Beck as the interim superintendent of the Chicago Police Department while we seek
2: a permanent replacement. This department can be the glue that binds this city together and not the powder that tears it apart.
0: Joining me is WBEZ's Patrick Smith, David Gricing of the Better Government Association, and Shia Kapos, reporter and author of the Politico Illinois Playbook newsletter. Now, we had some big breaking news this morning. Former L.A. Police Chief Charlie Beck was named the interim head of the Chicago Police Department. Patrick, what jumped out to you about this decision by Mayor Lightfoot?
1: Well, one thing I can say is that it seems to be pretty clear that, that Mayor Lightfoot does not believe there's anyone inside CPD who is a uh, up to the task of leading the department and reforming it and making the changes that she thinks needs to happen. I've talked to Alderman and others uh, who believe that the next permanent superintendent needs to come from within the ranks. If Lightfoot doesn't believe that there's somebody who's even up to the task of being interim superintendent, then and I don't see how she could pick somebody to be the permanent superintendent from within CPD. So there's lots of things about this decision, but that's the thing that jumped out to me. Well, Shia, what do we know
0: about Charlie Beck and his tenure in L.A.?
3: Well, he operated in a lot of the same ways that Chicago is operating right now, under a consent decree. The force was unhappy within the ranks. The community was up unhappy with the force. So he really, uh, he did a lot to improve community relations, and that's just what uh, Lightfoot has been talking about. And to go to your point, uh, Patrick, I think Mayor Lightfoot said yesterday, I think it was, it's all so fast, <laughs> right. she does want to build the ranks of the Chicago Police Department so there's not this scramble to search for a new police chief whenever this happens. She wants to make sure that they've built a number of people who can step up at any moment. So I don't think she's opposed to bringing people from inside the ranks. She just wants to... She may planet. not be opposed to it but it doesn't <laughs> seem like she
1: thinks there's anybody. She wants to build it because she doesn't think it's there Anybody's right now. Ready right and now. And I don't want to speak for the the mayor. It's just actually we we spoke um yesterday Chip Mitchell spoke to uh, uh, an Oakland Police Department official who's also used to work for a firm that does like Searches for police chiefs. Mm -hmm. She said it's very rare that a department looks outside for an interim chief. Uh,
2: Let's not forget that she was on the police board when they did recommend three candidates who Rahm Emanuel overlooked and decided to turn to the force and take Eddie Johnson. So she's already got a pretty good lay of the land in terms of kind of who who is out there. So she's bringing some bit of knowledge to this search although Beck was not on the short list that the police board had recommended that Rahm ignored.
0: Well, while Plus, he's being presented as a reformer, we should mention here that Black Lives Matter L.A. wrote an open letter to Chicago blaming Beck for shootings by officers and, and racial profiling, among other
3: things. And, you know, she is this going to be a problem going forward? Activists are going to be complaining about it. I can tell on my Twitter feed they're already complaining about it. But that doesn't mean he can't be in for this. You know, short period of time. He's been working, I expect he will be working with the University of Chicago Crime Lab because so many of his top people who came from LA are part of that move to help the Chicago Police Department transform into something that is more mirrors something that what. LA is doing right now, which is improved from what it was five or ten years ago.
2: There are a few things that would kind of recommend him. Uh, One is that he's run a police force that is very focused on kind of the community policing approach that's more sophisticated than what we've tried so far in Chicago, getting police out there, not just out in the community, but really what they call problem-solving in the community. He's also worked very well with the immigrant community in, in L.A. and has gotten high marks for that. He also has run a police force that per capita is well smaller cops per resident, well smaller by about a third than the Chicago police force. So he's, wor- he's used to working within constraints that CPD probably will be facing going forward. Eddie Johnson has just added a thousand officers. So the Chicago police is well larger. And so he can figure out ways to make this police force operate more efficiently. The complaints that Black Lives Matter and others have about some of his record, we don't know enough at least I don't know at this point, about the backstory there. There are issues in his background that need right. to be looked into, but he ha- he does have some attributes that I think would be very germane to the problems facing the Chicago police force right well, it now. Well, was
0: interesting in listening to the press conference this morning. You know, Patrick, he really presented himself as a cop's cop, right? And in a city where there is a lot of tension around community police relations, um, of course coming out of the Laquan McDonald shooting and now the federal consent decree, I mean— It seems to be a tricky position for for him to try to make himself
1: amenable to the rank and
0: file – but also respond to real community concern.
1: I've done some reporting this week on what the police department needs in its next superintendent. And so all the things that I heard from experts there is going to be true for Charlie Beck for however long he's in this position. You know, he needs to to rebuild morale, he needs to restore community trust, and he needs to to reduce gun violence. Some of those things, they don't have to be directly opposed, but they're tough to do at the same time. And so I think that, that possibly him talking about being a cop's cop could be the fact that Sort of the first word we got about him about him was reformer. That might scare some officers and the police union. So he made sure at the press conference to say, hey, you've heard I'm a reformer. But I yeah, as you said, I'm a cop's cop. Well, several aldermen, as you mentioned, hope
0: that Mayor Lightfoot would choose a replacement from within CPD. And Charlie Beck spoke at a press conference this morning addressing that criticism that he's an outsider. Let's listen.
2: You know, I know that people wonder, well, how can somebody that uh, wasn't born and raised in Chicago and has the intimate knowledge of every street, like like my friend Eddie Johnson does, uh, be a superintendent? Well, Eddie's not going anywhere. He will be uh, working with me uh, during my tenure. I also have the first deputy superintendent, and his intimate knowledge and, and his ability to run the day-to-day of the department will be key to success.
0: So Eddie Johnson's on the job until the end of this calendar year, but David, I mean, that's a month and a half, two months for trans. Where are we in the year right now? It's about a month and a half of transition. What needs to happen during that time?
2: It's not a lot of time and it will be helpful to have him around to kind of learn the department, learn the personnel in particular which is going to be the challenge, learning Eddie Johnson's leadership team and kind of getting the backstory on things. The real challenge he's facing, in addition to what Patrick already mentioned, is this department has not welcomed outsiders very well. Jody Weiss, who came from the FBI and was never taken seriously as a Cop really didn't ever make it. Gary McCarthy is a lot like what we know of Charlie Beck—a you know, cops cop type background, very hardliner. Gary McCarthy had significant problems although the cops ultimately accepted him. There still was. He never really quite completely fit in. So having an outsider come in is going to be challenging. One other thing that in the immediate future needs to be addressed is this consent decree, Mm -hmm. especially the problem, the institutional problem of racial bias on this police force, which was highlighted in this consent decree hearing. And we've already had one report from the oversight. And they're way behind where they ought to be already, and you've got a new head of the police force coming in, and some really stringent measures that they need to be addressing immediately, so that's going to be something that he'll need help from Eddie Johnson and others in in this initial transition period
0: well, and politically, I wonder about the message Mayor Lightfoot is sending to the c p d and the f o p about her independence and you know what she's really looking for from this police department she had any thoughts there
3: she wants to send a message that she is tough she's Brought on a tough cop who has a history of being a tough cop. Uh, she's not going to be swayed by critics to her for going outside of the force. So it's yet to be seen, obviously, how that plays out. I think it's a big and important hire, and that depending on what happens in the next three months before the permanent person is hired, it really could determine how you know, how successful she'll be seen for this particular hire.
1: And I don't know if she's trying to send a message necessarily, but the police union wanted the interim person to be an insider. Every alderman I spoke to wanted the police, the interim person to be an insider, even alderman who said... I don't care if the the permanent person is an insider. The interim person needs to be – everybody was saying that, and and obviously Mayor Lightfoot um – I don't know if she didn't care, but she at least didn't, didn't take that advice.
2: I, I think when she looks at the police force, she looks at the fraternal order of police, and she looks at rank-and-file police, and she seems to believe that those two things are not necessarily the same. And so she wants to ignore and kind of marginalize the FOP with whom she's going to be facing contract talks very soon, and she wants to appeal to the rank-and-file cop. And I wouldn't be surprised if she believes that the rank-and-file cop will accept a, a person like Beck, even though he's an outsider, because he's got a pretty good reputation as a cop and having run a big police force. It fits into her strategy of kind of, I want to appeal to rank and file cops. I want to put a cop's cop in there that they can, they can align with. And maybe that will make things easier when it comes to negotiating the new contract.
3: Well, but, should, oh, go ahead. I say, plus, she's indicated that there aren't enough people to choose from, I think. That's what her message is about uh, wanting to build the ranks so she can choose from somebody easier because there aren't enough people there.
0: Mm-hmm. Well, Johnson is still under investigation by the IG, the inspector general, after he was found slumped over his in his car last month. He had initially said he'd failed to take his blood pressure medication. It was later revealed he'd had a couple of drinks with dinner. Patrick, you know, that was one of a number of things that's happened with Superintendent Johnson over the past couple of months. He was heavily criticized for his response to the dash cam footage of the Laquan McDonald shooting as well you know, politically, was it possible for Superintendent Johnson to stay in this position?
1: The best thing you could say about Mayor Lightfoot's position toward Eddie Johnson was that she was non-committal about his future mm-hmm. from the very beginning. Uh, sources told WBEZ that, that she decided that, that Johnson needed to go after the incident where he was found at the wheel of his car. So it didn't seem like he was long for the job. Really, I guess even during the runoff, both candidates, the best thing that was said about him was that Lightfoot would keep him on through the summer. I actually thought uh, that the sort of Trump loggerheads that they had where he didn't go stand with President Trump and the FOP was upset that that might have bought him some time politically. Mm -hmm. I mean, there's really nothing you can do to make you more politically popular in Chicago than to fight with President Donald Trump. Clearly, that was not the case, although I will say that at the press conference yesterday, Lightfoot and Johnson stuck with the story, that, and they insisted that this retirement was completely Eddie Johnson's choice and that Lightfoot had nothing to do with so
2: it. So I interviewed Lightfoot a couple weeks ago, which was just after the Trump rally, and She made statements in that interview where I got the strong impression that she did not want to make a change. Uh, She talked about the need for stability at the top, that the rank and file needs to kind of quit all this court intrigue. So I'm wondering if new information came to light between that interview about two weeks ago and where we are today. She also, I think it was in the budget
1: speech, gave him credit for bringing down the, the, the violence.
2: I had asked about that shout out in particular because that seemed to be kind of her statement. She knew there was all this talk about his... His future and I think she wanted to kind of quiet the waters it appears that new information maybe came to light, possibly arising out of this investigation. Since then, it has become, come to light that he had told her, Mayor Lightfoot that he had had a couple drinks before he got behind the wheel. Uh, so I think there's more information that'll come out at, from Joe Ferguson, the inspector general's investigation into that incident.
0: You're listening to the Friday News Roundup here on Reset. Our panel today, Better Government CEO and President David Greising, WBEZ criminal justice reporter Patrick Smith, and Shia Kapos, reporter and author of The Political. Illinois playbook newsletter some other stories we're watching today Chicago public school students will be able to compete in the state cross-country final this weekend Illinois High School Association policy had barred students from competing during the teacher strike but a judge let them run and a group qualified for this weekend's final advocacy groups have sued two Illinois County sheriffs for alleged violations of the state's trust act which limits cooperation between local police and federal investigation authorities an attorney for the Stevenson County sheriff said County and Employees complied with laws. And this year's Millennium Park Christmas tree is a 55 foot tall blue spruce. It was donated by an Elgin family who had the tree growing in their front yard, and the tree will arrive in Millennium Park today at 7 p.m. Well, I want to turn to another story. Um, Some news out of West Suburban Naperville. Multiple employees were fired from a Buffalo Wild Wings restaurant after customers said their group was asked to move to another table because of the color of their skin. Let's take a listen.
1: So the host said, well, we have a regular customer here who doesn't want to sit around black people. And he comes and kneels down at the side of the table and says, excuse me, but we're going to have to move you guys. This table is reserved.
0: You know, you have someone telling you, I don't want to sit by you because you're black. It's okay for them to be that way. Patrick, how did this story unfold?
1: So this was a group of 18 people who went to go celebrate a birthday, and also they were there after a youth sports tournament at Buffalo Wild Wings in Naperville. They described being warned about a racist regular customer there who didn't want to sit by black people, as you heard on the tape. And then the manager lied to them about how actually this area is reserved and asked them to move. Eventually, they uh, left and went to Hooters instead, which they said was much more accommodating and not (laughs) racist, Um, which uh, it's great that they didn't also have a horrible time at Hooters. Uh, Yeah, um, this has been playing out. I think this happened at the end of October. It's been playing out over a couple weeks. Buffalo Wild Wings has sort of said the the typical things that corporations say after they're caught up with their employees doing something racist or something racist happening at one of their... Sensitivity
0: training is going to happen. They fire the employees. But, you know, Naperville police ultimately ruled that this was not a hate crime. But, David, this, this case has drawn national attention to the way companies respond to racist incidents. And we had a conversation about this on Reset earlier this week where, you know, you have employees who are responding in the moment, perhaps with not enough training. But, I mean, your thoughts on how this rolled out and and the lack of surprise that this happened in Naperville.
2: First of all, there's only so much that training can do and you have to rely on the character of your employees and their good judgment. And it's obvious that whatever training was done didn't get this done in this instance. It was a horrible, deplorable mistake on the part of the person who uh, complied with this unbelievably despicable request. And so it's good that person was dismissed, et cetera. In terms of the, the broader question about what does this say about Naperville, I don't know if it says anything about Naperville in particular. What it does say is that in our society, decades after the Freedom Fighters would go down to you know, sit in the Woolworths lunch counter and have milk poured on their heads and, and be sworn at, et cetera, just for being African American and sitting at a lunch counter using a public service like anybody has a right to. This sort of thing still happens. And it, it just it's just one of these stomach-turning, disgusting episodes that uh, tell us how much work we still have to do in this society. I'll say at
1: first bus, I heard that, you know, I think it was two employees who were fired mm-hmm. over this. My first thought was it's awful that they catered to the this customer. Uh, But it's also always sad to see working people lose their jobs. And part of working in customer service is sort of catering to the The customers customers who have Mm -hmm. idiotic or, in this case, offensive and hateful requests. Um, However, when you actually – read the statement that the that one of the people there said and, and hear from them. It sounds less like they were reluctantly complying and more like they were they knew this customer and were making a decision. Buffalo Wild Wings said they did an investigation before firing them. I don't know what an investigation by Buffalo Wild Wings looks like. You want to make sure that people are only losing their jobs in, in instances where that's truly warranted. It sounds like maybe that was the case in this instance. And either way, they were catering to one racist, hateful or two racist, hateful customers. And, you know, mistreating 18 paying customers <laughs> on the other end.
0: So the Chicago teacher strike ended last week, 11 days, 11 school days kids were out, thanks to a $1.5 billion deal. David, just quickly remind us how we got to that deal, what it took.
2: Well, at the end of the day, uh, Lori Lightfoot started with a very Kind of an ambitious offer, 15%, I think, over five years. She ultimately raised it to a 16% raise over five years. Uh, the CTU, during the course of the negotiations, pushed for librarians and nurses in the schools, threw in other things like affordable housing, et cetera, really kind of turned the negotiation to, into a kind of a public discussion of equity reform across the city mayor lightfoot kind of held her ground ultimately did compromise on the question of whether teachers ought to be reimbursed for the days they were out on strike and they kind of split the difference there by giving five days of additional school time for the teachers so they'll be they'll recover that lost pay from those 11 days they were on strike
0: well she a 1.5 billion dollar deal how
3: is the city paying for this uh, well, that's the big question, though. Lori Lightfoot's team says it was built into the contract from the very beginning. And just one point, you know, they're still arguing they haven't signed everything yet. Right. There's a $5 million um, debate about how some of the teachers are going to be given that raise over the next five years. So uh, I don't know when they'll actually sign this uh, We'll see how the how it, that all plays out. Uh, the CTU is worried that uh, Lori Lightfoot won't stick to her plan to give them that raise, but um, and the public schools hasn't commented yet. We can only imagine that of course she will say that she will commit to it.
0: Well, Crane Chicago Business reported on Wednesday that CPS expects to pay for the contract with a combination of higher property taxes and increased aid from the state. Now, when Mayor Lightfoot presented her $8.3 billion budget last month for the city, she said she wouldn't raise property taxes, just a small increase for libraries. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, how is this How is this all fitting together, David? Or well, Shia, yeah. whoever well, wants to so, jump in. Well, they're two
2: it, different it, pots of money. It's actually separate yeah. entities. Yeah. CPS is, is a separate entity, even though we look at as being almost part of uh, the city business. But it looks like even that set aside the question that CPS may need to add to its taxing uh, there are questions right now about Lori Lightfoot and whether her budget's going to stand as it was given. She's counting on uh, the state legislature for help with the real estate transfer tax, as well as some casino legislation. And given the mess that's going on down in Springfield right now, it, it seems unlikely that both of those will happen. So in addition to the fact that CPS may need to ask for more money from property owners, the mayor may be coming back uh, before long. We'll know by the end of next week, possibly, if the mayor may need to come back and ask for a property tax increase. Well,
0: Well, the bond rating agency, S&P, reportedly panned the deal, saying it will, quote, widen the structure gap in school finances. However, Kroll bond rating agency said the deal was, I'll use their word here, manageable, and found that the school system would benefit from labor cost certainty. David, how much do these assessments matter?
2: The S&P matters more than the Kroll one. S&P is more widely followed, and investors pay a lot closer attention to S&P than they do to Kroll. And the real question is whether the school system can get help from Springfield. In 2016, they got some, I think, $450 million. That was fought over for months between Governor Rauner and and Mayor Emanuel's people, and ultimately they got to that. There's a big question as to whether Lori Lightfoot can get help from Springfield, and that's what S&P and Kroll and Moody's all will be looking at. CPS debt is already rated at junk people who invest in cps bonds are doing so really taking huge risks so on the margins whether it goes up or down a little bit doesn't really matter this is really a dodgy investment for any investor
0: any sense of the political implications of this strike for mayor lightfoot shia (laughs) that was a very eloquent (laughs) sigh
3: (laughs) well there's a debate i mean what she has to face with the city budget is so much bigger than this debate with the schools uh, and the strike with the teachers. I think the the haggling over the, the contract, I think people will forget uh, before she comes before re-election in three years. However, uh, you know, I have heard that the CTU is already lining up a potential candidate to run against her, even though that person denies it. There's a lot of talk that they'll come after her. And she even said the same thing. She's like, I expect the CTU to come after me in the next election. You're listening to the Friday News Roundup here on Reset.
0: With me in studio, WBEZ criminal justice reporter Patrick Smith, better government CEO and president David Greising, and Shia Kapos, reporter and author of the Political Illinois Playbook newsletter. Some other stories we're following today. A WBEZ investigation found that Commonwealth Edison told regulators it's paid more than $3 million to lobbyist Jay Doherty, whose office was raided by the FBI in May. A watchdog from California calls this practice quote, shadow lobbying. Nobody has been charged with any wrongdoing. The parent company of Hoffman Estates-based Sears and Kmart is closing another 96 stores, including two in Illinois. The parent company, Transformco, acquired the stores in February and says it's faced a difficult retail market since then. Sears and Kmart now have just 182 stores. And Illinois-based Walgreens handled one out of every five opioids at the height of the opioid crisis, buying about 13 billion pills. That's according to an investigation by The Washington Post. The company defended its practices and denies allegations that it provided incentives to pharmacists to fill prescriptions. Well, let's turn to some state news. Illinois House Republicans on Thursday proposed a series of changes to state ethics rules to prevent future abuses of power. This is in response to the, well, David, you called it a mess, uh, the ongoing federal <laughs> corruption probe in Springfield. Quickly remind us how we got here.
2: How we got to the current mess in Springfield? Well, <laughs> which the, the, the indictment are, up, are we talking about? Chair. Um, <laughs> Uh, you know, we, we've we seen now State Senator Tom Cullerton under indictment and the investigation of Martin Sandoval, uh, the, trans- the head of the Transportation Committee, that has touched on any number of different people. Some of Mike Madigan's cronies have, Alderman Mike Zaleski has had his house raided. The connection to Commonwealth Edison has come up because of the robust lobbying that ComEd does and questions about whether Madigan Loyalists have been either placed at ComEd to do kind of no-work lobbying jobs or else have just found jobs lobbying for ComEd and actually done their work. It's also touched uh, City Hall. Luis Arroyo, a state representative, uh, has been accused of uh, offering a bribe to a state senator to get some uh, legislation favorable to his uh, um, sweepstakes gambling client. Uh, It's raised all kinds of concerns about ethics in the state legislature, and we're now seeing calls both from the governor as well as from the Republican leadership calling for major ethics reform uh, in Springfield, and it will be when it comes, longer overdue. To me, the question is, do you do it right away or do you actually take some time and do it right? And I think rather than kind of feeling like we put a salve on this before the break in the legislative session, it might be better for the legislators to take a, take a moment or two Look around the country and look at what best practices are. Do this in a more deliberate way. Do it once and do it right, as opposed to rushing in with some sort of window dressing over what are obviously huge problems in terms of ethics in, in Springfield.
0: Well, Patrick, Governor J.B. Pritzker on Tuesday said he was, quote, disgusted by Democrats caught up in in these federal investigations and proposed broadened lobbyist disclosure rules for legislators to consider in the final week of the veto session. But, you know, does that go does that go far enough? Uh.
1: No, I mean words of saying that you're disgusted. No, I don't think that goes far enough. I don't know exactly what uh, the governor should be doing or what power he has, but but um, it seems like there's a, a. It's more than a mess, but a mess is a good way to put it. There's a lot going on, and it does seem like somebody in Democratic leadership needs to to take a stronger stance than has been happening uh, so far. But I would defer to the two people next to me. They they know a lot more about politics than I do. Yeah.
3: Well, the governor, you know, dovetailing with what you're saying. Uh, uh, Mr. Greising, that um, uh, yes, he wants legislation to uh, put a lid on lobbying so that legislators are not lobbying city governments, which is what Arroyo was doing, uh, and not uh, not doing things without the legislature knowing about it. So he wants transparency as well as putting um, an end to the lobbying so so everybody knows who's getting paid for what and where the money's coming from. But he did hint that it couldn't be done in the three days that we have in the legislature this coming week, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday.
1: I'm, I'm as, as somebody who's not as sophisticated about, about state politics as, as everyone else here. um, I'm interested just mostly in, in the connections to the most powerful person in Springfield, Mike Madigan. Um, I'm, I'm just, I know that that's sort of the story that's going on, but I want to see where this goes. Is it that uh, he has done such a good job insulating himself that despite all that's swirling around him, he's, he's protected. Uh, Is it, Are are things closing in? Or maybe this is just a crazy coincidence where all these people connected to him keep getting indicted or investigated, and he actually has done nothing wrong.
0: Well, I'm sure our politics team will be all over it. We've got to wrap things here. But quickly, before I let you go, what stories are you
3: following in the coming weeks and months, Shia? I'm looking at what's happening in the veto session next week. And um, uh, I'm looking at Republican fundraising or the lack thereof. Hmm.
2: All right, Dave. Right. The veto session is going to be key as regards what Mayor Lightfoot's budget, which is really important, and so we're looking to see what's going to happen there, whether she needs to go back to prop- to property owners for more money.
1: Patrick, you get the last word. Well, um, I am looking for next week or the week after, I'm expecting the report from the, the monitor of the, con- the CPD consent decree for that six-month report to be made public. It's been filed. I expect it to come out in the next couple weeks. And Sunday, I'm looking for the Lions to beat the Bears the way this mm-hmm. season is going. Uh, I think that the best we can get for our Detroit Lions is to beat our rival, the Chicago Bears. Mm. Uh, go Lions. Won't All happen. right. <laughs>
0: I'm sure I won't get any phone calls about that that's wbez <laughs> criminal justice reporter patrick smith better government ceo and president david greising and shia capos reporter and author of the political illinois playbook newsletter everybody thanks have a great weekend thanks thank you Jim. And that's it for today's Reset. Our show is produced by Dan Tucker, Meha Ahmad, Steve Bynum, Stephanie Kim, Jason Mark, Nareda Moreno, Bianca Martin, and Ashish Valentine. Our engineer is J. Kyle White-Sullivan, and I'm Jen White. Thanks for listening, and don't forget, we drop a Sunday Reset into your feed, so I know we'll talk again soon.